Pastors Levi was excited to get to church today. Thanks for coming today. It's a beautiful day. It's also an opportunity to be in the Word together, and we're going to see how vital and important the Word of God is. Um, next week, we'll move into uh, a part of our study on I Will Build My Church where we begin to see the evidences. Uh, when the Spirit of God moves, when He takes control of our life, there's results. And we're going to look at those results for a few weeks, okay? But what I'd like you to do this morning is take your Bibles and go with me to that familiar passage in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. This is a passage that talks about uh, what we've entitled living under the influence. Um, there's a challenge here this morning, and the challenge is for you and I to be filled or controlled by the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 5, we'd like to pick up at verse 15. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Father, uh, we're in your presence. We need you. We need direction. You've sent your Spirit. He's here today because he indwells us who know you. As we meet together, we ask that he would illuminate our minds and hearts, help us to understand what you have for us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been in a study here about the church, and uh, for the next few minutes, we're going to do a little review and an add-on or two, but uh, let's begin with this thought, what is the church? What is the church? The church is made up of born-again believers. For the past 2,000 years or so, folks have been coming to know Christ like you and me by faith in the Lord Jesus. We trust him, and at the moment that we trust him, since the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, until the Lord sees fit to come back and rapture his church out of here, the church is being born day after day, made up, because the church is the body of the Lord Jesus. He's the head. And those of us who know Christ, over that time period, from Pentecost till the rapture of the church, we make up the body, which is called the church. Now, how do we become a part of that body? How do we become a part of the church? Well, we call that salvation. That's a personal decision of admitting our sinful condition and our need of a Savior. So we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus because of who he is, God, Emmanuel, came down here on purpose, born to die, because without the shedding of blood, there'd be no remission or forgiveness. And so he who knew no sin, the Lord Jesus, became sin for you and me, that we might be declared righteous by the Father in his eyes. The moment I make that decision of faith in Christ, then I am baptized, not water-wise, but spirit-wise, by the Spirit of God, I'm baptized or placed into the body of Christ. That's how I get there. 
That's how you got there if you know Jesus today. In the moment that you and I were placed into the body of Christ, then the Spirit of God came into our life. He indwells the believer. So the church is made up of folks like you and me all around this world for some 2,000 years, okay, until Jesus comes, who are placed into the body of Christ the moment we trust Him as Savior and the Spirit of God who the Father and Son sent to the earth has a plan and a purpose, and part of that plan and purpose is to indwell you and me as believers. I mean, there's a number of, of things that the Spirit of God longs to do. He, he wants to reveal the Lord. He, he, he wants us to, to understand the truth so He illuminates our minds and hearts, so that while the Word of God reveals the truth, you and I are capable of understanding it. He also seals us the moment we come to know Jesus, never to be lost. We're secure in Him. He gives spiritual gifts to us so that we can exercise those gifts and build up the body. The Spirit of God bears fruit in your life and mine, such as love and joy and peace patience and goodness and faith and meekness and so forth he, he bears fruit that's a result of the spirit of god within us carrying on his ministry and work but there's even more to that the moment that we trust christ as our personal savior he indwells us that means we then become the temple where he lives the moment i trusted christ and you trusted christ I became a temple of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit resides. I can't explain all that. That's just what Scripture teaches. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 reminds us, he said, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and you've received from God? He said, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So as God looks down on the human beings who make up this world, he places us in one of two categories. He's either looking down on temples, those who know the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God indwells them, or he looks down on non-temples, those who have never put their faith and trust in Christ. And the Spirit of God does not live in them. So you're either a temple this morning or you're a non-temple. That's how God sees the human beings in this world. That may not mean too much to us until we begin to see the ramifications of all of this. You see, there's a battle going on. Until you and I know Christ, we're dominated by the flesh and by our father, the devil. That's the way it is. We're natural men and women, which means we have no spiritual life. We're dead spiritually with no hope as far as a relationship with God. We don't understand the truth because you don't understand the truth. You don't see it by your eye or hear it by your ear or even dream it up in your own mind. But the things that God has for us is revealed by the Spirit of God. That's how it works. So there's a battle going on out there. It's the battle of the flesh versus the spirit when you and I come to know Christ. And at times it's not a fun battle to be in. It's called the spiritual battle that's going on. It's a spiritual battle for you and for me. The devil knows that he can't indwell me. Jesus is there in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
but he can oppose anything I need to do and ought to do. And so he's after me like he's after you. He's after our children and our grandchildren. He's after you and your children and grandchildren. He's after your home. He's after our home. That's the way he is. He's after our families. He's after our church and those who make up this body. It's a battle of good and evil. It's a battle of God versus the devil. It's a battle of the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you and I in the principalities and the powers in the high places. And it's a reminder to me this morning. Hopefully it's a reminder to you. When we sin as believers, and believe me, we do, don't we? When we sin, and we all do, we are committing that sin in the sanctuary where the Spirit of God dwells. Don't ever forget that. I mean, I can tell you, this wasn't a part of the notes or message, but I can tell you, one of the last times I was ever in a place I shouldn't have been. Because the Spirit of God grabbed a hold of my heart and I thought he was coming back before I could get out of there. And that was a reminder to me. I don't look like it. And I don't act like it sometimes. But I'm a sanctuary where God himself dwells in the person of the Holy Spirit. So be careful where you go and who you go with and what you do when you go there and whatever. Because God is right there. Don't let that scare you. Just remember that that's a fact. That's the truth. And that's why the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is so vital and important to you and I as believers. You see, salvation, we come to know Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that woos us and draws us to the Savior. We can't get there any other way. That's why the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is so important to understand. We are placed in the body of Christ by baptism of the Spirit. There's no other way to get into the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. We're indwelt, which means we're, we immediately become that sanctuary or temple we've been talking about. But in our passage this morning, if you look, it says we need to be careful. We don't want to be unwise or foolish. And these are evil days out there. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And folks, this is part of his will. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But in a similar way, the thought is, is that would control someone and inebriate them and put them in settings where they're controlled by something else. Let the Spirit of God fill you and me and control us. So we're going to talk this morning about the filling and control of the Holy Spirit. You see, you and I, as we mentioned last week, are influenced and controlled by something or someone. Everyone is. That's the way life is. Um, the fact is, we're all a product of numerous, multiple influences, I, I guess you'd say. So it's very important that the influences in your life and mine be good ones and right ones and proper ones, uh, something to think about. When you and I look back 
over our life, especially if you've lived any length of time here on the earth. You realize that some of the good or the bad influences in our past have made such an impact in our life, some for the good, some for the bad. But I remind you this morning that from this moment on, you and I get to decide what will influence our life tomorrow, the next day, and in the future. That's in your hands or in my hands. And what's interesting about this is this is a key purpose and reason for why the Holy Spirit came down here in the first place. Because God's plan in his redemption, redemptive plan, was for the believer to live a life full of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's saying it may be evil days out there. You and I may be struggling and tempted and tried in so many ways. But the Spirit of God indwells you and I as believers. And he's saying the believer then should live a life full or controlled by the Spirit of God. That's why he was sent in the first place. That's his duty, his responsibility, and a key part of his ministry is to control you and to control me. It's a biblical command that we be filled with the Spirit. That's what's being talked about here. The baptism of the Spirit, the indwelling of a Spirit, that's a one-time thing. But this is a continual thing, and you're going to see why in a minute. It's a continual thing where we have to give control and let go of self and let the Spirit of God control us. It's not only a biblical command and impairment. It's also, in a sense, it's a condition or a measurement by which you and I are blessed of God and capable of being used by God. To the extent that we're controlled or filled by the Spirit, to that extent, will God be able to bless us and use us? That's why he said, don't get drunk on wine. The debauchery of it all, don't do it. He's saying, be filled or controlled by the Spirit of God. I mean, the believers in Corinth understood this because in in Corinth, it was a cesspool of immorality. It was a cesspool of what you would call debauchery. Uh, matter of fact, when they worshiped, worshiped their idols in their worship, there was so much immorality, uh, sexual immorality, all kinds of things going on in the name or the act of worship. It was sad and sorry. And there was a lot of drunkenness that went along with it. So people in Corinth understood what was meant when Paul said, don't be drunk with wine inebriated with that and controlled by that, but be controlled by the Spirit of God. All right, we're going to have to get on our horse, so saddle up. You ever wondered, we talk a lot about being filled with the Spirit. You ever wondered about how? How can you and I be filled with the Spirit? Is there anything that you and I can do to allow that to happen? Is there any way of living under the influence of the Spirit? Well, there is, and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that now. Remember, we're reminded to understand what the will of the Lord is. And part of God's will, revealed will for you and I, is what? To be what? Filled with the Spirit. It's part of God's re revealed will. Reve He's telling us 
that he wants us and expects us to be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, we should understand what the will of the Lord is, and this is part of the will of God. So we would be wise to do what we can to understand what's involved. Being filled with the Spirit is not a long listing of certain things to be checked off throughout the day. That's not what we're doing. But to be filled with the Spirit becomes a way of life. It becomes a lifestyle. It's based upon knowing some things. It's based upon reckoning or counting those things to be true. And then it's based upon yielding ourselves or surrendering ourselves to that which we know and what we count on to be true. It's Romans 6, 7, and 8. If you've ever done a study at all over a few chapters of Scripture, I'd encourage you to get alone with Romans 6, 7, and 8 for as long as you can stay alone with it. It's well worth it because that's where Paul talks about the fact that you and I died in a sense with Christ and we were raised with Jesus Christ. And then that's chapter 6. In chapter 7, Paul says, you know, I'm a miserable person because all the things that I know I ought to be doing, I don't do. And the things I ought to be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing. Remember, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. That's chapter 7. Of Romans chapter 8, he said, now there is hope. I thank God for the Lord Jesus. I thank God for his spirit. And at least 19 times in Romans chapter 8, you'll find the spirit of God mentioned. Because you and I don't have the capability of victory, but we do have the capability of reckoning things to be true that we understand from scripture and trusting and obeying or yielding to it. You and I can obey. God has the power to bring the victory. He just needs an obedient heart. So what we want to do now is look at a few priorities. I call these basic priorities that are involved in being filled with the Spirit of God. You might want to jot these down. They're very simple. The first one is, you've got it in your hands and you probably have it open to Ephesians chapter 5. It's the Word of God. The Word of God. Letting the Word of God guide you and control you. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21 said, that this scripture didn't come about by way of man. But holy men of God, godly men were moved or borne along by the Spirit of God. You see, that Holy Spirit who indwells you and me is the Holy Spirit who oversaw or oversees everything that went on in the penning of scripture. He was behind it all and involved in it all. And that's why he can illuminate your mind and heart and my mind and heart. So, let the Word of God guide us and control us. Scripture says in Colossians 3, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Paul put it this way. These are just verses that you probably know or are familiar with, but he, he said all Scripture, this book, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine or teaching, for instruction, for correction, for rebuke when necessary, that you and I may be men and women that are, are, are growing and maturing in the things of God. He also said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said, we ought to study this, study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen that need not to be ashamed because we're rightly dividing the word of truth. You, you find someone who's following 
the Word of God and applying it on a regular basis and taking what he or she knows or reads and putting it to work in the situations or circumstances of their life, you don't find a lot of shame there. But you follow someone who may know all this, but they fail to apply it, and there's shame, and there's hurt, and there's sorrow, and there's sadness because there's a struggling life. So one of the priorities of being filled in the Spirit or filled by the Spirit of God is to realize, number one, that God deals with you and I according to His Word. That's why He gave it to us. That's why He said that the Word is a lamp to our feet and a lamp to our path. And He wants us to let the Word of God teach us and guide us and have a part in the Spirit's control of what happens. That's how the Spirit works. That's one of the ways the Spirit controls. What does Scripture say about that or this or whatever? Whatever it says, we need to reckon and count that to be true because God said it. So we listen to what it says. We trust what it says. And then we apply it or obey it. That's how the Spirit of God is able to control us, to fill us. And before we go on, let me share this with you. I'll talk more about this next week. I was reading this the other day. It kind of blows me away. Maybe it will you. It comes from a powerful source. I'm not going to get onto it all today, but... The other day I was reading that only 14% of believers read the Bible on a daily basis. Only 14% of believers read the Bible on a daily basis. Um, Only 10% of believers would say they have a biblical worldview. In other words, they look at the world based upon what they've learned from Scripture, what Scripture has to say about the world, looking at the world from God's point of view, in other words, a biblical worldview. Only 10% of believers. You've heard of the millennials? 4% of millennials say they have a biblical worldview. 4%. I don't know exactly how true and how you can measure. You can pretty well take statistics and make them work for you and talk. And I guess I'm doing that this morning a little bit. Does this tell us anything? It tells me that we've become, in a sense, a nation that doesn't think biblically. And the reason we don't think biblically is because we don't know what the Bible says. And the reason we don't know what it says is because why? Because we don't read it. If you don't know what it says, you can't do it because you don't know what you're supposed to do. The Word of God, let the Word of God guide you and control you. That's a key priority if the Spirit of God is going to be able to control you or fill you. Here's the second one. Pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. By holiness... In a sense, it's defined like this. It's the Christian's new nature or their conduct. Remember, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Remember, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So it defines the Christian's new nature and conduct. 
in contrast to their pre-salvation lifestyle. How we saw things, how we lived, how we made our decisions. Now that we're saved, life should be different and change. You see, the Holy Spirit is within and he's able to work and he's able to take that word of God that we're going to let guide us and control us and he can put it to work in our life. The reason for practicing pursuing holiness or practicing a holy manner of living is that Christians are associated with and related to who? I mean, you and I are related to a holy God. And it costs that God every time to redeem you and me. And we're associated with that holy God. It'd be very wise for you and I to treat him and to treat his word with respect and reverence. Now, the reality is that I sin. Do you? We all do. That's the reality. We sin and we struggle. So if we're wise, we'll listen to what the word of God says, remember? And we'll believe it to be true and that it works and whatever it says it will do, and then we obey it and we trust it. We pursue holiness. James 1.22, be doers of the word. Anybody can be a hearer, a reader of it, or a listener to it. And we have Bible studies across this country and around the world packed full of people who listen to it in the study and actually know what it says, but very few are willing to put it to practice in the situations or circumstances of life. It must be true, or James wouldn't have said, be doers of the word and not hears only. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But what are we prone to do? Lean not. We're, we're prone to lean to it, but it says don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, include him, involve him, acknowledge God. And here's what God says he'll do. He said, I will direct your path. So if our paths are not being directed by him, what are we failing to do? Well, we're failing to trust him And we're taking matters into our own hands. And those decisions then are decisions that aren't very pleasing to God in many cases. Aren't pleasing to you and to me. We're pursuing holiness. That's part of what's involved in being filled with the Spirit of God. Timothy was a young man. He was in ministry, I believe in Ephesus. Paul left him there and he said he was struggling in a way. And people were questioning him and maybe his youth. And he said, you know, be an example. Don't let them despise you or your youth, but be an example. Be an example in word, he said. Be example in word and and, and in life and love and faith and in your purity and your pursuit of holiness, Timothy. That's why in this passage where he says that you and I are the temple of God just prior to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, in verses prior to that, he lists a long list of immoral sin and and, and, and the type of sin that you see in the life of of an unbeliever taking matters in their own hands. And then he makes this comment. Paul says, that's what some of you were. That's what you and I once were. But he goes on. That's what we once were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit 
of God. You know, you and I, we glorify God best when you and I are like him. That's why he says pursue holiness. We glorify God best by being like him. That's why he said in 1 Peter 1, verse 15, he said, just as he who called you was holy, he said, be holy in all that you do. Why? Because it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, I brought something along that was wisely placed in our apartment on a chair when we got there the first time. You know what that says? What would Jesus do? It used to be a little bracelet thing. The longer I live, the more I realize the value of this. There's something even more valuable than what would Jesus do if he was in your shoes or mine. And to me, it would be, what did Jesus do? When you find him in scripture, in similar situations that you're walking through and struggling with, how did he handle it? What did he do? It's a powerful thought. Uh, We don't need a pillow. I told Sarah I brought this in case I got tired today, and I think she kind of believed me, but that's why I brought it. It's just to remind us. We need to pursue holiness. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you're going to be a person who's pursuing Christ-likeness and godliness or holiness. So, Jason, if you're ready, I'd like you to put on a song for us. You won't be able to see much, but you'll be able to hear it. It's by the Collingworth family. And it's a song that reminds us that God is always there. The Spirit is there. It's entitled, Wherever You Are. I'd like you to listen closely. Remember, we're pursuing holiness. And they're reminding us in this song that he is always there. We're never alone. Jason? And he's saying, pursue me. Pursue holiness. It's well worth it. Because if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to take me at at my word and put it to work in your life, he said, you'll be more like me today than you were yesterday. You'll be obeying me. And he said, I'll be able to bless you, be able to use you. You would think that the word of God we've talked about in pursuing holiness would be enough, but it's not. I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I've got to keep you a little bit because if you're anything like me, you're going to fail. You're going to sin. When we sin, we're wise. If we're going to be filled and controlled by God, we've got to deal with that sin. What do we do with it? If we confess our sin, He's God. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're going to sin, but you can be cleansed. That sin can be placed in the depths of the deepest sea as far as the east is from the west. That's who God is, and that's what he'll do. That's what the cross was all about. That's what the blood was all about. You see, continual confession of my sin and your sin is an indication of the fact that we know him. 
and we're trusting him. The term confess means to say the same thing about it that he does. It's to acknowledge how God sees it, his perspective on our sin. It's not so much the thought of confessing every single little sin, but it's more of the mindset and the understanding that I'm a sinner and I'm in desperate need of forgiveness and cleansing on a regular basis. I remind you that verse we quoted, 1 John 1, 9, who's that written to? Believers. Believers. Like you and me. Well, that's three of the things. The word of God, pursuing holiness, and then we confess, right? And then last week we talked about one of them, and that's dying to self. Remember how we dealt with that? We said goodbye to who? Goodbye to me. That's what dying to self is. Get me out of the way, Lord. Goodbye to me. Put me off so the Spirit of God can be put on. And then the last thought, and we'll pick up on this next week, is that if you and I are going to be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God, you and I are going to have to surrender to God's revealed will. Remember, we're to understand what the will of the Lord is. If we don't understand what, are the, what the will of the Lord is, especially as a believer, it's the only way to know as a believer, right? What are we in God's eyes? What did it say? We're foolish. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. John, I close with it. John MacArthur, years ago, I was reading something, and it grabbed me, and I personalized it. I've used it ever since in my life. He was talking about how to know the will of God. You know, there's, there's a lot of gray areas out there that are tough to put a handle on. Okay, not everything is black and white in my life. I don't know about yours. But there's a, a lot of gray areas as well. But it's very interesting the way he put this. And that really got my attention, and it's not original with him. It's certainly what the Word of God teaches. I'm sure that's why he was sharing it. But he said, you know what, if I could... He basically was saying to me, he wasn't saying it right to me, but in the book I was reading, he was basically saying, Joe, he said, if you can get these four or five things right in your life, you can pretty well go out and do what you want to do. Whatever it is, because what you're doing will be pretty well what God wants you to do. And here they are. There's five things. Number one, salvation. Are you saved? You're on your way to being filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. Are you spirit-filled? That's what we're talking about. Are you willing to be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God? If you're saved and you're spirit-filled, are you sanctified? Which means, are you set apart for God? When you were saved, you were set apart for Him. But are you applying in that in your own life? God didn't call you and I to an impure life, but to a holy life. Don't reject His instruction or His will in those areas. God gave us the Holy Spirit to set us apart. And so if we're saved and spirit-filled and sanctified, the fourth one is, are you submissive? Which means, are you willing to yield to the authority of God and of Scripture? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to those who are willing to humble themselves. He said, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. The devil will flee from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you you've got to be willing to submit to him not only that but as believers he goes on he says we ought to be willing to submit to one another out of reverence for christ so salvation 
spirit-filled, sanctified. If I'm willing to submit, I'm on my way to pretty well going out and buying a Ford or a Chevy. I don't think God cares. Whether it's red or whether it's... He, he would care if I could afford it or not. But I don't think God really cares about some of the things that you and I get all wrapped up in praying about. Because those aren't the important things in life. Are you saved? Are you spirit-filled? Are you sanctified? Are you submitted? And are you willing to suffer if need be? To this you and I were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And if we suffer for doing good and we endure it, this is very commendable to God, and the God I serve is going to reward me and reward you for being faithful to him and his word and his cause. So I leave you with this thought before we go. The reality is that the Holy Spirit fills the life that is controlled by the Word of God. Don't miss that. The Holy Spirit fills or controls the life that is controlled by the Word of God. So listen to His Word. It's His Word, so it's trustworthy. Trust in His Word. And if we're wise, we'll be doers of it. We'll obey it. And folks, if you don't me, don't believe me this morning, just make a phone call to Noah. Remember Noah? Make a phone call to Noah. He listened, and he trusted, and he obeyed. God saved him. Everybody else outside of a few of his kids were gone. It's worth it. It's well worth it. And believe me, when we get to glory, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're just scratching the surface a little bit this morning of some basics of being in a position to be controlled by you, Holy Spirit. You want to do that. You want full control. Help us to believe you and trust you. Help us to be willing to take what you have written, in a sense, and overseen and, and illuminated in our minds and hearts. Help us to, to trust that and put it to work in the situations and circumstances of our life. Help us to be willing to prove you and your word. If we're willing to do that, you'll be able to bless in ways that maybe in the past we haven't seen it. You'll be able to use us in ways maybe in the past you haven't been able to. But thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here and moving among us. Help us to be willing to be controlled by you. That's our prayer. And we ask this in Jesus' name.